Welcome to a brand new Coronation Overreaction. This time, uh, we are uh, drying our collective tears together after the Nebraska uh, loss on the road to Wisconsin in overtime. The final score in that one being, I just had it here, but I have a bad memory. It was something like 24 to 17 in overtime. Not something like it was. I, I had to stall long enough to pull up the score. 24 17, Nebraska loses in overtime to Wisconsin. I'm Greg Mahachko, joined as always by my good friend and, broad, and broadcast buddy. Easy for me to say. That's Hoss Reuter. Uh, you've been imbibing, uh, you've been celebrating uh, this weekend. So you have an because excuse. Game, though. Not because of the game, but you had Friendsgiving. So you, you've had, had more than one. This is. This is my first of the day. Coors. I see that. I see that Coors Banquet. Let me tell you what I'm drinking. I pulled this from. Uh, Looks like a Mountain Dew energy drink. Me? Yeah. Mine? No, no. This is a uh, 21st Amendment Brewing Brewery. This is uh, called Fireside Chat. Oh, FDR fan over here. 7.3 <laughs> ABV. Uh, 7.9. Oh, it is a winter ale with spices and cocoa nibs. Uh, 21st Amendment Brewery is from a place. Is it in Illinois? San uh, Leandro, California. Oh. Ah, okay. So look at that. A place in California actually likes the Constitution, or at least parts of it. Well, you know, yeah, I had Friendsgiving today, and it was good. We watched. That's good. Sunday NFL football, and I ate a lot of food, drank a lot of beer. And uh, the entire time, I kept trying to think about how am I going to explain this game from last night to our loyal listeners? Oh, they know. And there's one thing, and for fans of the show, you've probably heard me reference The Sopranos about a billion times. It's my all-time favorite show. And uh, I will say, Frank, the actor Frank Vincent, his character Phil Leotardo, is—he's an antagonist, but I identify with Phil on something. He always talks about how he did twenty years in the can. You know what? I feel like I've done twenty years in the can as a Husker fan <laughs> because it's the same thing over and over and over again. Like at this point. It feels like what I talked about in the past about we are the Chicago Cubs of college football. The it's, laws of the universe cease to exist when it comes to Husker football. And it feels like it feels like we're on the outside of an inside joke. Or it feels like we're still paying off a karmic debt for the 90s. Or it just feels like we're still getting to a point where we are learning how to win again as a program, even though that entails just heart-wrenching losses. You got to learn to compete. And you know what? Like, I sit here and I say these things, but it doesn't make it any easier to stomach. It's Wisconsin in overtime. Again, a fourth down pass in overtime falls incomplete. Penalty is not called in overtime again. Just like your boy TJ Watt interfering with Jordan Westerkamp. Now you got Braylon Allen tripping. Is it either Ty Robinson or Nash Hutmacher? I think that was Ty. Yard penalty should have been second and 25 from their own damn 29-yard line. So I want to say something with all this being said before we get into the nitty-gritty of the game. I don't blame officials 
I'm very rarely one to say officiating losses the game. But my God, Justin Evans Jenkins gets called for a holding penalty when he takes the Wisconsin defender down in pass protection. And then Wisconsin is doing that to us all fucking game long. And the refs are looking right at it. I don't know what it takes to get a holding penalty in this conference, but I mean, good Lord, it's ridiculous at this point. I mean, like they're clutching, they're grabbing. You know, and there's nothing that they're 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 not called for. It's so it's just the officiating didn't help, but it also didn't lose us the game. Seldom does. Uh, I, by that I mean seldom costs Nebraska the game. It, going back through this season, we've talked about it. There have been other times. Um, uh, was it the Michigan State game? It was yep. Michigan State when Malachi Coleman got interfered with and and. Uh, but again, there were other opportunities, but yep. turnovers, you know, same turnovers. with Maryland turnovers. But then yesterday we learned I think, turnovers. I think the, the last, the, the last play of the game in overtime was an interception. I don't um, really count that one. No, no, that's, you know, that, yes, that hurt Nebraska. But other than that, you know, Chubba Purdy played as good of a game as, you know, yeah. there were some, there were some close calls. There are some I'm sure he wish he would have had back, and there were some that I'm sure, with the benefit of watching film, you know, the Matt Rule, Mark Satterfield would would maybe open up uh, his eyes to other possibilities, other options on some of those plays. But you can't put this one on Chubba Purdy's shoulders. Um, we didn't see any turnovers. We I think we had a little regression as far as, as some of the dumb penalties. We had some uh, ill-timed false starts and, and things like that. Um, but I, I mean, well, we're not going to bury the lead. Let's get into it. Nebraska's last drive. They are down three. Wisconsin punts it and it bounces into the end zone. Mercifully, Nebraska starts at the 20 and they move the ball. They have a lot of success getting the ball downfield all the way down to about the five give or take, you know, right, right around in there. It yeah, felt good. very familiar to last week against Maryland. Probably about the five to 10 yard line, but you know, like you said, let's not bury the lead. Let's discuss it. I have, I'm just going to say I have zero problem playing for the field goal there. And I know that some people have said, well, the analytics say you don't play for overtime on the road. And it's like, that's easy enough to say, but at the same time, this staff and you know Matt Rule got a bit crucified last week for going for the touchdown against Maryland on third and goal from the five rather than going for the touchdown on or going for the touchdown instead of the field goal. Sorry, conflated has been a long day. Um, but the whole thing is if he would have played for the touchdown yesterday and we lost, let's say a pick, or we just you know we turned the ball over on downs to end right. We can't convert. Everybody's going to be screaming that it's two weeks in a row. You know, so what this staff did is they played good situational football with, hey, we have 10 games of data before this to back up that we we struggle in situations like this. We have an instance from just last week that shows that we struggle in these situations. We got picked off inside the high red zone. Let's play it safe. Let's play for overtime, give our defense more chances to get a stop. And with how the run game was working 
you know, both Chubba Purdy and Emmett Johnson and Anthony Grant chipping in as well. Mm-hmm. You got to feel pretty good at that point about scoring from the 25 yard line with four, you know, with no game clock and, you know, a fresh set of downs in overtime. So totally get it. To those people out there who are pissed off thinking that rule botched the end of the game situation, you'd be bitching about it one way or another. I mean, I know, Greg, you know, you felt like I'm not attacking you, Greg, because you felt like, you know, we kind of, you know, rule kind of flubbed up there at the end. But at the same time, like we discussed before the show, people are always going to armchair quarterback and armchair OC this thing. I, I want to point out um, just because I felt it was a good line and you seemed to like it before we started rolling sound. Um, to your point, yes, people were angry that we didn't settle for the field goal. You know, last week against Maryland, people are angry, frustrated, disappointed that we didn't try for the touchdown this time. And I, I said to you before, and, and it comes down to this, you're not going to win. If, if you're the coaching staff, as far as making the these decisions, you're not going to win unless you win. Unless you win the game, yeah. your decision's always wrong. It's not um, going for two, was it 1993 or, you know, something like that. Yeah, in uh, the 80s, yeah. Thank you. Um it's, yeah. you know, unless you win the game, your decision is is shunned and, and, and scapegoated. My well, thing I is, thought, I'm, sorry. Oh, no, you go ahead. I, I have a lot to say. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like if you want to talk about situational football in that standpoint, they called plays that were high percentage plays. They mixed in a nice mix of tailback run game and quarterback run game. <laughs> and they took the clock down to the point where there was no time left for Wisconsin to score in regulation. They, they, you know, kicked off with four seconds left afterwards, squibbed it, game over. And so everything, when it comes to situational football, everything went right in that instance. Just because you disagree with, you know, or just the general you, not the Greg Mahochko you, um, just because you disagree with – actually, you know what? We should just have the discourse, me and you, arguing back and forth. <laughs> um, but that whole situation there is like damned if you do, damned if you don't. It, it's a, it's truly a case of, you know, just play for overtime. Take the sure thing, you know. If he would have played for the win in regulation and we wouldn't have gotten it, I mean – God, Twitter and Big Red overreaction last night would have been insufferable. You know, it would have been people seriously questioning this coaching staff. But instead, you know, it's like we 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 gave ourselves the best chance to win in that situation. We extended the game. All right, but I, I want to. I'm going to get into some specifics now. This is straight from the end of the game stats, notes, things like that. Nebraska had moved the ball from their own 20 to the uh, Wisconsin 26 in a matter of, I'm trying to find exactly when, uh, let's say a minute and two minutes, I think is what it was. Uh, and again, they they did some jump pretty passing. Uh, they did a little rushing from Emmett Johnson, a little rushing from uh, Purdy. And Wisconsin, I think, erroneously calls a timeout with 135 left in the game. Nebraska has the ball on the Wisconsin 26 with three timeouts. And I just don't think they ran enough plays to give them. A shot. I think they could have with, with, you know, so what they do is they, they uh, 
Emmett Johnson comes right out of that timeout with a seven-yard gain. So now they're at the 19. Uh, he only gets one yard after that. But then Purdy gets him a first down with a six-yard. They're at the 12. Yep. And we took a shot to Kemp that was out the back of the end zone. But I got to say this, that people are really overlooking. Purdy, for as good as he looked, you know, in comparison to other quarterbacks on the roster that we've seen this year, he was still struggling with touch and accuracy in the passing game at times. Things were either bullets or they were just lofted up high. So in that situation, in the, you know, kind of medium red zone between the high and low red zone areas, you're really looking at, at you know, a situation where the ball's got to be placed perfectly, impeccably. And right, we hadn't seen that too much from Purdy in those situations. And if you're throwing the football and it's incomplete, you're stopping the clock, and you know you're leave, you're going to end up leaving too much time on there. So I agree 100% with the idea to drain the clock, take that thing as far down to zero. You've got the sure thing: a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Get to overtime where you feel like you can, you know, make a play with your defense to, uh, you know, stop them. You hold them to a field goal, and at the very least, you're at the 25-yard line. You try for a field goal. Is it conservative? May some people say that it's cowardly. You're tucking your tails in between your legs. Sure. But you know what? Situational football is where games are won and lost. <laughs> I thought you are going to start crying. Dude. No. Um, I think, first of all, there's no sure thing. Um, Alvano, you know, who has improved quite a bit, he missed a field goal at the end of the first half that if he makes that field goal, I think a, we have a lot more confidence because all we need is a field goal. Yep. Uh, oh, I thought know, of that one. If, if rule kicks the field goal instead of going for it on fourth and one. But he, I think the part that gets me, and I, I understand what you're saying about draining the clock down, but in two plays, we went from a minute 35 down to 20 seconds. Do you remember? I feel, like, I feel like we left a lot of opportunity because it wasn't a bad day offensively for Nebraska. I mean, they you gotta you gotta just think mm. that this staff is so snake bit though from the past 10 games that they're thinking, okay, let's not risk anything. We have a quarterback who threw a pick in the red zone last week in a similar situation. We have running backs that have had fumbling problems this year. Grant Emmett Johnson has done really well, you know, ever since that fumble against Illinois. But Anthony Grant has fumbled. We have just had terrible luck. And at some point, that sense of bad luck becomes endemic to the program and the culture of the program. And guys start kind of, you know, getting spooked or, you know, that they get a case of the yips, so to speak. And these things happen. We've seen in the context of Nebraska football for the past 23 years, we have seen in those situations bad turnover after bad turnover at the worst possible time. We Did we go ultra-conservative? Yes, but it was the right call based on when you think of everything. And I'm not saying the staff's going, well, past 23 years, this team, you know, this program makes mistakes in these situations. They're basing it off of what they've seen this year. And I agree 100% with the decision just to get the field goal, go to overtime, give yourself a chance to fight another day. I Look, I know that, as we mentioned before, no matter what decision the coaching staff makes, if if it fails, if it doesn't work, if Nebraska loses, 
they're going to have a majority of people yeah. upset at them. If if yeah, they would have be armchair OC and they're going to be motherfucked all week, you know. If they would have been aggressive, if they would have tried for six and it didn't didn't work, you know, we'd be saying, "Oh, why didn't you take the points?" I understand that, but I feel like there were there was a lot of game left on the table in regulation at the end. And I understand what you, I, I don't want to read. We, we could, we could go back and forth on this. I feel like we'd just be spinning our wheels and saying each of us so. saying the same thing. I think so. But I just feel like I, I feel, I, I felt the offense had momentum on that I, drive I, I, I on that agree. possession. And I, I would have liked to have seen them. <laughs> I'm going to die doing the show. Uh, I about that. I died last night watching the game. I just would have liked to have seen them try with a, a minute 35 left, try to, I, I think they had a lot of opportunity. I, I, I just think, you know, I go back to the damn Wisconsin game or not uh, the Minnesota game. If you run the ball, you win the game. If, if you keep pushing, I think Wisconsin was on their heels. I do. And, and I think again, all we do on the show, Haas, if you had like the name of the show, shouldn't be coronation overreaction. It should be, Coronation, what if? That's all we do. We what if this shit to death? Uh, but I don't disagree. That's what we do. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I we're on opposite sides. It's the first time, maybe ever. Uh, I will say this, Greg, though, to your point about being a little bit more aggressive, not leaving so much game on the table. And we did have momentum. At that point, I remember thinking from the 12 after Chuba picked up that first down on a six-yard run, I remember thinking this would be a really good time to go quarterback run game. And you don't even mess around with a mesh, you know, or a handoff, you know, you don't put the ball in the air, but you break out a quarterback run concept that you haven't shown all year, one that you've kept in your back pocket, a designed quarterback run. That would have been probably the best situation, probably would have been the best call that we could have gotten into there if we wanted to play for the win, you know. And if you don't get it, you take that timeout, you set up your field goal unit, Mm -hmm. and you go, you know. So, you know, I will say – I, I do I, I get where you're coming from, you know. I, I get where you're coming from. Nine it, but just from what I'm thinking of, I'm like, yeah, I'm taking that field goal every time after what happened last week. And that's not coaching scared. Like I've seen some people, you know, say that it was coaching scared. I don't think it was. You know, what it was, it's using real-time data as feed incorporating real-time data and feedback into your decision making. People want to say, oh, that's not what the analytics say. Like, well, what the fuck? That is the analytics right there. <laughs> you know, you took something that happened, you incorporated it into your thinking. So there you go. Well, let's let's talk about the other side of the game. And that was the first first quarter. Oh, God, man, I was in heaven. That first quarter was a thing of beauty. Um, it You had big play on the ground. I mean, you had Chubba Purdy. And here's the thing. I... I it was the Anthony it was the third play of of the game, and it was uh, Anthony Grant and I remember that I I was watching on on my cable service not on a streamer, and I used the rewind button because I just wanted to see the push and how the uh, offensive line extended uh, the boundary and and helped Grant get the first down and, and, and a few extra yards, and about that time it all froze. I said, "Oh 
shit. Um, I couldn't, nothing was happening. Couldn't play, couldn't rewind, couldn't hit live, nothing. So I said, all right, I got DVR. Let me hit the record button real quick. Did that, changed channel, back, you know, and it picked up right where it left off. However, at that time, Nebraska had already scored. So I watched, you know, the first, the, you know, the, the remaining part of the possession because a friend of the show, Josh, said that uh, Purdy scored on a broken play and, and took it all the way 55 yards, which he did. Uh, a thing of beauty, and Nebraska's up 7 nothing. Then Nebraska really, I think, got Wisconsin – out of uh, out of rhythm, off their schedule, however you want to put it. Uh, they they moved the ball a little bit, and then they got the false start. Wisconsin getting a false start in Camp Randall's uh, very rare, I feel like, and they have to punt the ball away. Nebraska wastes no time. A long pass, or I should say a long catch and run to Jalen Lloyd, and boom, Nebraska's up 14 nothing in the first quarter. And I think myself and every other Husker fan thinking, Hell yes, it's about damn time. You're thinking, finally, we're having one of these games. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think a big thing from that whole you know sequence of events in the first quarter, first half, is the play calling wasn't demonstrably different than what we'd been doing all year. It was we had a quarterback at the helm who had confidence. You know, He knew how to read a defense, and he had the confidence to get out there and execute. Two things, the both things that both Harburg – and Sims both are lacking in right now. Um, I thought that it was a really, you know, there was just a, it was a shot in the arm, so to speak, to get going. And so I, I liked what I saw there. Um, but if we're going to talk about play calling, I don't know if you had more to add about that first quarter. I kind of hijacked this right here. No, no that's but, right. I mean, you were talking about uh, a, a quarterback with confidence. I think because he's been here, I guess maybe this is his second year now, you know, Purdy. Um, but he, he's obviously started for, I didn't realize, or I maybe I just didn't think, didn't think about the fact he's 22 years old and he might end up being a seventh year senior by the time 2026 rolls around. So it, it's might've found our quarterback for next year. That's the thing. And, and about, about his play is there's no other option for this Friday against Iowa. It's Chubb so, Purdy's job. It's Chubb Purdy's job. And, Damn it, Chubba, you go out there and you beat those guys and we go to a bowl game, you'll be a folk hero in Lincoln for the rest of your life. Um, but as I was going to say, the only gripes I had against play calling were in three different areas. The fourth and one play call, we're running du- gap duo to Emmett Johnson on fourth and one in the first half. We don't get it. Ben Scott gets driven off the ball, offline scrimmage by the nose guard. And that penetration throws off the play. What happened there is it looked like Wisconsin had our snap count synced up. And whenever you see a team that's in a short yard situation, you see a team align in kind of that tribe or trio formation with three tight ends to one side for a long, you know, you're getting a at that point an eight-man surface. What's gonna happen is you're always you're almost always gonna see duo, just a simple handoff, you know, to that strong side. And so we hadn't really run that much that hadn't run that much this year, but at the same time, it's so ubiquitous across college football. Right, you can kind of anticipate. And then they had the snap count synced up. So right there, that decision to go for it and not go for the field goal, even though it would have been a little bit of a long field goal, it would have been about fifty-one, you know, fifty-one yarder there. Um, 
that's a 10 point swing right there because coming right back, that's when they hit that wheel route mm-hmm. to uh, their backup tailback for the touchdown. When Acker, you know, uh, Blackledge claimed that it was Ty Robinson that had uh, responsibilities to get out there kind of on a zone blitz, but really it was the DN not getting, you know, peeling off, you know, when that back crossed his face. But what ends up happening is you got a 10 point swing there. The other area that I disagree with the play calling is when we're making fourth down stops late in the game and getting mm-hmm. the ball back, we got a little conservative there with plenty of time left to go get aggressive and go after the win, you know. Um, so I I had some problems with just running traditional tailback handoff run game there. I thought that was a good would have been a good opportunity to get a quarterback run game involved and try to hit something, you know, movement passes, rolling Chuba out, you know, things like that. The third time that I had a serious problem with it was, um, I mean, obviously it's the overtime play calling. And, you know, you want to talk about curses, karmic debt, all that shit, you know, take a look at our overtime play calling and yardage since 2015. I mean, it's like 24 plays and like a total of four yards in all these overtime games. So we got to get better there again, playing situational football in that context. But I thought Satterfield, I thought he called overall a good game. I thought the game plan was solid. Um, I don't really like the idea of a double pass so early in the game, you know, that got snuffed out, but we were able to answer on that throw to Jalen Lloyd. Um, Defensively, I think that there's some times that uh, our blitz, I thought our blitzes were well-timed, but they didn't get home because of how badly Wisconsin was holding. And, you know, to piggyback on that, because I didn't see – I'm not saying the holding didn't exist. It almost always does in, in every play in college football. But I learned that old Tanner Mordecai is a little slipper, slipperier, a little more slippery than I would have initially given him credit for. I feel like a lot of those times, you know, there was an edge rush or a, a cornerback blitz, something like that, and, and he just kind of stepped out of the way, yeah. which – is as much credit to him and and maybe uh, the defender coming in without right. whomever with without the ability to alter their course as well, you know. So I mean, I felt looking back, there were a lot of opportunities to bring uh, Mordecai down in the backfield uh, that just didn't happen. And you would have thought Braylon Allen ran for two hundred and sixty-five yards the way Todd Blackledge <laughs> was talking about. Him. I yeah. mean, good lord, I, they were ready to put his ass in the NFL Hall of Fame, right? You know, and, it, and he had run for 56 yards at that point. But let's see, he finished with, I have it here. Um, he finished with 62 yards in net. Yeah, you would have thought he ran for 262. I mean, good Lord. Like the guy's it's, strong, but it's just like two years ago. Oh, he's 18. Do you know, he's 18. He he squats 500. It's like, all right, geez. You know, okay. The, the, the and if I have to hear one more time the story of, well, he's, he's, uh, he was going to, was it go, go wrestle or something? Yep. And, and he saw Melvin Gordon. He saw Melvin Gordon run all over this Nebraska team, and he said, oh, I want to be the next great Wisconsin running back. I'm like, I don't care if that's true or not. Yep. I don't I don't even know. Second. Isn't he from New Jersey? Uh, Let's look this up. Hold on. I got, I got it right here. He is Allen. Fond du Lac High School. Okay. I, for that's some about reason, as Wisconsin as it gets. No shit. For some reason, I thought I had heard during the 2021 game that he is from New Jersey, but I think I, I might be conflating that with Jonathan Taylor is from New Jersey. He's only he's only 19 years old. Okay, dude. When when he played us two years ago, he was 17 years old. Oh yeah, it was he's not even 18. Yeah, 
And they no, showed, like, showed his workout regimen. I'm like, yeah, great. But he he's, yeah, you know, he, he benefits in years past. He benefited from the system and this year. It wasn't his system. So he hasn't done as well. He'd been injured. Speaking of the system. I want to say this about Wisconsin. They must've shuttered their uh, vitamin S program in strength and conditioning <laughs> because those guys, their defenders used to have physiques that like honestly look like bodybuilders. Almost. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, kind of, they're more like, you know, Jags, just a guy, you know, and so they must have uh, shut down their vitamin S program. I'm the next Wisconsin linebacker. Uh, that was no, horrible. Number, I'm sorry. N- number 61, Greg Mahochko from Belleville, Illinois. Yeah. No, I would right? never. Is that, is that your hometown? It, it, well, it's where I live. What, what's your hometown? Oh, I'm a, I'm a man of many hometowns. Where were you uh, born? In Belleville, Illinois. <laughs> In fact, I go past the uh, hospital. I was born several times uh, a week, it seems. So, yeah, uh, but well, I bounced around in in my youth, you know. I'm a man of one town, Omaha. Well, Gretna. Gretna is just another neighborhood in Omaha anymore. No, no, don't, don't, don't give Omaha everything. All right. No, dude, Omaha's a great place. I love Omaha. I'm an Omaha guy. Oh, you're a chaser. I know it. Hey, I watched this. Us. Wow. I watched Creighton beat Iowa the other night, and you know what I told an Iowa fans? I was walking out of there, got you tonight, and we'll get you again 10 days later. Mm. And they're like, Creighton doesn't have a football team. I'm like, yeah, you're a moron. Turn the head around. <laughs> this is Nebraska on it. <laughs> this? Yes. You Wait, you have Creighton gear? Yeah, I have Creighton gear. Well, everybody, that's the end of our show. Forever. I'm an Omaha Catholic. Of course I have great. <laughs> I don't know what even to think about this. I'm learning so much about you. I can't. After this weekend, I can't. I, no more surprises. All right, Hoss? Any, anything dramatic that you need to tell me? Actually, any, I do I need, need to tell you, to, you something. I need you to send it to me in reading. <laughs> Our defense, okay, got exposed last night. And again, I mentioned Blitz is not getting home. And, you know, they were being held. But really what it came down to is the fact that Phil Longo, Wisconsin's OC, he was dealing. He was calling a pretty damn good game. It doesn't hurt when we don't when we totally forget how to defend quarterback draws. Um, but beyond that, Tony White really had, you know, some I don't want to call them gaffes, but he had some issues in defensive play calling late in the game, inside our own five and overtime, running twists and stunts, playing gap exchanges. Good way to disrupt the offensive line. But in that situation, inside the red zone. They just got to go hat on hat. Yeah, hat on hat. Offenses don't like to pull linemen in those situations. They don't want to open up a gap. They don't want to, you know, compromise gap integrity. The same thing goes on defense. You know, you want to maintain your gaps. You don't want to be twisting, stunting, you know, leaving gaps open while waiting for somebody to fill back in. You just want to play it mano y mano, hat on hat. And so that really hurt us there because that gave them enough, that line movement, those games we were playing with our gaps, that gave them enough of a crease to get Braylon Allen into the end zone. And so it was on the fourth and one, and then it was on the uh, scoring play immediately after that. And so Tony White, great defensive coordinator. Um, He's been doing a phenomenal job with this defense, but, you know, no no coach is perfect. No staff's perfect. They're going to make tactical and strategic mistakes. Um, that being said, 
Iowa represents a different animal. Okay. Um, getting into that game, what you're looking at in that is Deacon Hill is not a good quarterback. Iowa's run game is pretty anemic with the exception of maybe popping a big run here or there off a counter play. Our defense should, operative word should, be able to feast in this game. Um, If they can really just keep everything in front of them and not give up big plays in the play-action bootleg game, you know, um, if they can cover up that tight end or H-back dragon underneath, if they can cover up the square in in the direction of the bootleg and just make sure that you're not giving them time to get the defense out of position, I think that we can be okay defensively. Offensively speaking, we're going to be playing probably the best defense outside of Michigan that we'll see all year. And so we're going to have to be prepared and we're going to have to be able to play mistake-free football limiting turnovers and specialty limiting turnovers and penalties and we're gonna have to really I think take our shots in the passing game with Purdy and then we're we're gonna really need to run Grant and um, Emmett Johnson quite a bit I think that the best case scenario would probably be really try to force them off the ball you know try to generate some movement off ball because where Iowa really excels in shutting teams down is when their linebackers are able to flow freely sideline to sideline. Um, this is definitely a case where their linebackers are better than their defensive front. And so um, if we can get vertical displacement off the line of scrimmage, and we're starting to get a decent push in the run game. You know, it's our offensive lines developed week over week. But if we can run the football, hit some shots in you know, the play-action passing game, and then if we can really contain – their offense were on defense and not let them get right and look good against us, I think we'll put ourselves in a really good spot. That being said, the biggest thing, and this is why I have an ominous feeling about this game, the biggest thing is going to be field position. It's going to be cold. There's still a chance for precipitation, although right now it looks like it's going to be dry. It's not going to be a snow or rain game. But what you're talking about is they got um, Tory Taylor, their punter, and he's masterful at flipping the field. Right now, we saw it last night. Brian Bassini, we, we we get our ass kicked in the hidden yardage department in terms of field position. Brian Bassini didn't have the best day punting. He and did so last night. What that's going to mean is we have to at least go on drives, pick up a couple of first downs before a drive ends in a punt because we can't be starting from our own 8 or our own 15 while you know, they're starting from their own 40. Um, I feel, like I said, I have a little bit of an ominous feeling about that game from the special teams perspective. That being said, based on the physicality we saw last night against Wisconsin, based on the overall play calling and execution outside of a few spots, based on defensively how we've played, I wouldn't say against Wisconsin. Wisconsin isn't exactly a litmus test for how we go up against Iowa anymore because Wisconsin's not running the old classic Wisconsin offense. Right. This defense should feast against Iowa. All that being said, between play calling, between schematic matchup, between execution, physicality, if we play like we did last night against Wisconsin, we can beat Iowa by 10 to 17 points. Like it, 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 it's good. The big thing is going to be special teams. Mm-hmm. It is going to be winning the field position battle. I, you know, Iowa is not going to 
run up and down the field at will on us. This isn't LaShawn Daniels and Akram Wadley in 2016 and 2017. This isn't TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant in 2018. I don't even think this is Nate Stanley and Amir Smith-Marset and Tyler Goodson in 2019. What this is is an offense that's going to struggle to move the football so long as we just play good fundamental defensive football. And I, I do – most defensive linemen can't play every snap in a game. You know, they're not built for that. And it was very noticeable when Nash Hutmaker came out uh, late, you know, I think in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, that the Wisconsin offensive line was able to get a little bit better push. It is a different defensive line when he is in there. When he and Ty Robinson are in there in tandem, um, you know, say what you want about the NBC announced crew last night, but that is quite a powerful duo. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I do, I like, you know, and, and, and some of the young Cam Linhart made some nice plays last night. I don't Riley know when Van Poppel. Uh, Riley Van Poppel. And I don't know when Prince Will's coming back. I saw him um, last night. Number 18. Okay. Uh, you know, so if, if he can be that much more ready to go, given that it's a short week, I'm I'm real curious because he got the holiday. It, it, I'm really curious if Nebraska, if if you know, if Matt Rule said something similar to after the uh, Michigan game, is like we got work to do. We're going back to practice tomorrow on Sunday. How do you prepare coming off the the uh, I guess the heartache, the 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 heartbreak? loss of last night you know when you put everything out there now you got a short week you got the holiday thrown in how do you prepare in in a in a situation like this that nebraska faces this week you tell them you got one more chance to get to a bowl game and it's against a team that i know rules good to downplay the history before he got here but i think he's gonna downplay that publicly mm-hmm. but i think he's gonna be saying some stuff privately and it's Hey, this is a team that has absolutely taken joy and pleasure in pushing this program around for the past, better part of the past decade. What the fuck are you gonna do about it? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's kind of that. You know, I, I don't want to get too into the you know, like it's all about the the institution because again, these players, you know, like they were yeah. they were 15 years old when Iowa started their streak on us. Right, we ended it last year. But at the end of the day, like there's enough guys on this roster that were there for 2019, 2020, 2021, those heartbreaking losses and the shit that that program has talked after beating us. You know, that program, I think it's their favorite thing is just to, you know, act like they don't care about us, but absolutely, you know, they absolutely take great joy Mm -hmm. beating us. And as some Iowa fans need to be pointed out about is uh, they went on that streak against the two worst head coaches we've ever had in the modern era. You know, so, you know, Frost and Riley. And so you just, you got to, you got to get up for this game. Everything's on the line. It's a one game roll of the dice. That being said, you got to play, you can't be pressing. You just got to prepare and you got to play your game like they're capable of. And um, Black Friday fighting for bull eligibility at home hasn't exactly been kind to Nebraska. Lost to Colorado in 04. Lost to Iowa in 19, and now, you know, we're up against it again. Or we lost to Iowa in 15 as well. Now we're up against it again this year. And so 
we got to find a way to get it done. You know, I'll I'll be blunt. If that doesn't motivate you as a football player, I don't know what does. I mean, this is nut cutting time right here to quote uh, Eric Chenander. Just realized that my microphone's um, muted. This came across so uh, while we were talking here from Ben Stevens. Uh, uh, he's Big Ten Ben. He's you know whatever. He's the host of Sports Grid, and he says the Iowa Nebraska uh, total points uh, opens with an over under of twenty seven and a half points. This will match the lowest FBS total ever, tying Iowa's game versus Rutgers two weeks ago. And it's the sixth time in Iowa's past 14 games that the over-under is the lowest or co-lowest FBS total ever. All five prior games went the under. Now, you said in a in a best-case scenario, 10-17 to 17 point Nebraska win, so you're looking at either uh, 17-10 or 20-10, something like that. 20-10 uh, is actually my prediction. Okay, so you're you're taking the over. Yeah, slightly, slightly. Um, you know, because here's the thing: these games are kind of like when you when you're playing a defense and they're out, man. They start throwing junk fronts at a team. You know, they mismatch fronts and coverages, trying to throw off the offensive line. These games are kind of full of that kind of stuff. You know, they're full of you know junk fronts they're full of trick plays they're full of emotion it's senior day it's bull eligibility it's a rivalry game all that stuff the weather's bad you, you just never know what's going to happen i think that these are probably these games are probably outliers i don't follow sports gambling closely at all i've never sure. gambled on a game outside of i've put a few you know placed a few bucks on prop bets during the super bowl on like who the mvp is but i've never gambled on point spreads money lines anything like that but i'm willing to bet that I bet the results are skewed a little bit in the last on rivalry week, last game of the regular season, you know. So, how as far as prop bets go, would you put money on Nebraska defense coming up with a, a score on Friday? No, just because it's not in it's it's not in the team's makeup to. I mean, like. We, put, we tend to, in the spots that we could get a defensive score, I mean, when you got a team pinned, we tend to play a little conservatively when they're coming out. You know, we're going to stay in cover two. We're going to keep everything in front of us. Safety's at 12 yards. Hopefully not bite on something short and get beat deep. So you're not seeing a lot of, like, jumping routes in that situation. You see us generate turnovers at midfield, inside our own red zone, when it's kind of when our backs are up against the wall. But – I don't really see us having an opportunity to get a defensive score unless we like block a field goal or something, you know, like we did against Purdue. And so I think that that would probably be, I, I, I feel more like a blocked punt or a blocked field goal would be the case more so than a defensive takeaway and score. I'd really like, uh, I'd really like something good to happen with, uh, with the defense, with, with them to come up. Look, I I remember I put this out on X last night during the game. I was like, as things, you know, we got two consecutive fourth down stops. I mean, before the, the final one where, where Wisconsin punted away, when they thought they were in four down territory, we had, we had big moments uh, from, uh, and I remember because it was the, the, 
poor, poor, uh, um, uh, Phelan Sanford just went right through a gap and shoulder to shoulder met a, uh, Acker and caught him uh, for no gain. And then Sanford's like, I've, I've done my part. I'm coming out <laughs> very next play. Braylon Allen gets nothing. Uh, and that was the drive that preceded the punt. Um, but it was, it was two back. So I don't know. I, Part of me, I you know, I'm I beam with pride for this defensive unit. Uh, however, at the same time, I I know it's unfair, but we always ask for more, especially when the offense is struggling, especially when you know, uh, you know, I remember it's like if we could just come up with some kind of defensive miracle, come away with some some defensive points that might tip the scales. I don't know. I for whatever reason, I feel like that could finally happen on Friday. Well, because know. they've they've been building up to a to a crescendo of sorts, and it might be it might need to be a defensive score that you know really gets things in Nebraska's favor. It's kind of like last year against Iowa. I don't think any of us foresaw you know them muffing a punt and us recovering or a sack fumble that we recover. You know things like that. You know I think we you know we kind of resigned ourselves that so we're not very good at generating turnovers stuff like that, but. I do agree with what you you know what you just said about it's kind of building up to that because I was feeling like yesterday, the way we were playing them defensively, that we were on the verge of getting a big takeaway mm-hmm. for a score. I mean, Kobe Bretts, we haven't even talked about how Kobe Bretts lays out for the punt, he blocks it. You know, yeah. um, just a mental error there. I heard that you know he was kind of concerned about not wanting to make contact with the kicker. You know, like it's a young guy, just kind of you know. Not really thinking, you know, doesn't have that situational awareness yet. But I feel like I agree with you, Greg. I feel like that defense is on the verge. And I think that if we could get, you know, a seven nothing, maybe a 10 point nothing lead, 13 nothing on Iowa, that they can start to play fast and loose. The defense can, because I mean, you put Iowa in a two possession hole. I mean, if you, if you continue playing defense, don't get deep by anything. That's as good. That ten, that two possession leads as good as gold. You can take it to the bank. So that's the other thing. Don't let these guys suddenly get fucking right against us. Don't right. let these guys look like they're the you know, I don't know. Insert a prolific offense here. You know, twenty eighteen Oklahoma Sooners. You know, I was about to say two thousand seven New England Patriots, but uh, didn't want to do that to you. Thank you. And and you know, don't don't finish out your twenty twenty three campaign. With four straight losses, because yeah. um, a month ago, right now we're sitting at five and three. Well, you know, not like a month ago today, but like you know at the I mean. beginning of this month, five and yeah. three. And that day, if it had been like, oh, you're gonna finish five and seven, it'd be like, oh god, fuck, you know, talk about disappointing. Go salvage something, you know. Mm-hmm. Go, and I think a lot of people would relish, you know, a win against Iowa for bowl eligibility, you know. And to beat a ranked team all in one go, like it's right there for the taking. Find a way, you know, find a way. And the biggest thing is don't dig yourself in a hole that you got a big hole that you got to climb out of. You know, like we've seen that against Iowa in the past, 2018, 2019, you know, those games. Battling back at the end, but running out of gas. I don't I don't want to necessarily compare. H uh, former HCSF didn't have a win against the ranked opponent, I don't believe. No. And I'm pretty sure they weren't really that close. So to come out at home, Black Friday, 
rivalry weekend and do that for Matt Rule in his first year would be another – I think it would be another confirmation or validation perhaps that that we have the right guy. We're going in the right direction. Um, and to quote Guns N' Roses, all it takes is just a little patience. GNR, GBR. Oh, I wish I was good at graphic design because I'd probably try to blend those two, but I'm not. So, um, yeah, I mean, <coughs> again, find a yeah. way to get it done. You don't want your season ending like this, you know. Nope. nope. Find a way to extend your season, just like we found a way to extend the game last night. Kick a field goal as time expires. To win it all. Why well, this game might end six to four. This, this game might end zero to zero and start yeah. going to like field goal, like they do penalty shots in uh, um, in hockey and things like that. So anyway, all right. Well, so we've I'll, got. You. I'll say this too about mm-hmm. the, about this upcoming Iowa game. So this last night, toward come down the stretch, being stressed out on our last drive regulation, I was like. I'm stressed out now. Late game situation, angsty, you know, pacing back and forth. It's like, man, this is usually how I feel during an Iowa game, Nebraska Iowa game. And then after we lost, I realized something. I was like, damn it, I really wanted to go into that Iowa game with bowl eligibility already locked up because yeah. my my stress yeah. level during a Nebraska Iowa game is through the roof to begin with because I hate losing to them more than any other mm-hmm. team we've ever played. I despise losing them because of all the Iowa fans in the Omaha metro area. I know a lot of Iowa fans. I can't stand having to hear them chirp. It's been the joy of my life just to shut them down with 24-17 these past, you know, for the past year. I would like that to continue. Well, I don't know if 24-17 is going to happen like because 10 to 10 to 3, 10 to 6, 10 to 7, 10 to 9 so I can always you know, have the joke like, oh, what time is it in Iowa City? Oh, it's 10 to 9. I'm, I'm, cor- I'm corny. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, so you've given your prediction. 20 to 10 is what you can think. I, can I, you know, I always reserve for the Iowa game getting specific about how that works, the prediction, like how we get to the score. Should I go in depth? Bring it on. All right. So Nebraska 20, Iowa 10. I am going to say AJ or wow. Wow. AJ Allen. Um, Emmett Johnson goes over the century mark for the first time this year. I'm going to say 120 yards in a score. And I'm also going to say that we score a touchdown. The other scoring touchdown that we have is on a fake field goal. Okay, that's ballsy. Yeah. It's rivalry. I don't week. hate it. I'm just saying it's ballsy. All right, Greg. I know that you it's always one of those things, me- though. If it if it doesn't go well, yeah, oh yeah. Hey, if that happens, if we try a fake field goal and it doesn't go well, you will have me on the overreaction show. Going, I fucking hated the call. Okay, I'll be right there with you. Right <laughs> All right, but Greg. <laughs> It's my birthday this week, this Sunday. I turned 33, November 26th. I I need something from you here, pal. 
I know that you give your prediction during the five heart, but as a gift to your you know, co-host, podcast buddy, I don't remember what you always said at the beginning. Can you give us a prediction today? Aside from walking out of there with a dub. <clears throat> no. Oh, man, really? For, no, I, I can't. I, I will. I'm just saying, I was going to say now, it's important for viewers and listeners who watch this and also watch Five Heart Podcast to know that if my numbers change between now and Wednesday night, it's not because I feel any different one way or the other. It's just that I have a bad memory, so I've probably forgotten the score that I'll give now. Nebraska's going to win. I like I like 21-10. Okay, so we're kind of right around the same idea. And and that's just because I'm not Iowa's defense is, is you know, I, I I hate giving them flowers, but they're not they're they're nothing to joke around about. You know, maybe the front four is not as good as usual, but like you said, linebackers are where their strength is. I don't know if we get that many shots in inside the red zone, inside field goal range even. So I'm going to say let's get our touchdowns while we can. And let's let the offense or, or the defense, the black shirts, uh, take care of business. And that's why I say 21-10. Okay. I like it. I like it. I'll probably have a different answer on Wednesday. <laughs> as long as we're still winning, that's all that counts. I will never not pick Nebraska. So good, good. I don't care. If I don't think I've ever picked us to lose. No, the Chatterfields on Wednesday, or you know, usually Thursday night. The the comment section will sometimes be a little angry, tentative, well, sometimes spicy. trolling. Um, but the good ones are always always pick Nebraska. So. Good. Let's let's find a way to get it fucking done. Hi, right, brother. Uh, always a pleasure talking to you. I know you had to move a few things around to be able to visit with me tonight. I appreciate it greatly, uh, especially on the short week and the fact that I still have work like Tuesday night, Wednesday night, etc. So um, take care of yourself. Uh, I know I'll talk to you before your birthday. Um, I don't know when, but I know I will. So uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, you and uh, everybody out there. Until the next uh, coronation overreaction. I'm Greg Mahochko. That's Haas Reuter. Go Big Red. Win the damn game.